Hello there, our lovely, lovely listeners. I am Dr. Radford. And I am Dr. Greenfield. We are once again venturing into Spartacus's rebel camp. The world of the rebel. <laughs> the world of the slave. With a rebel yell, she cried, more, more, more. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. All the way to season two today. Yeah, so we're still looking at our series, the Stars original series. That's correct, yeah. So last episode, yes, yeah, so last episode we looked at season one and we sort of dabbled a little bit in the prequel that they made. Mm-hmm. But sadly, by the time of Spartacus Vengeance, which is the name for season two, mm. Andy Whitfield is with us no more. Sad face. I know. We've got a new Spartacus on the block. Liam McIntyre. Yeah. <laughs> have to say, Liam, if you're listening, I wasn't sure about you at first, but you proved me wrong and you won me over. Yeah. <laughs> You've grown on us over time. Indeed. So what are they getting up to in season two? Well, season two is really the launching point, I suppose, of the rebellion proper. Like, if season one is the lead up, the build, the sort of the establishment of the Spartacus character, yes. what we see in season two is, okay... Things have gotten nasty. We've managed to slay everybody in the household of fatty artists. <laughs> the what? blood leaking out from the door. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's going to notice that we killed a lot of people yeah. there. What do we do next? Well, that's kind of the interesting thing, I suppose, because we were talk- we've talked before, when we talked about Spartacus, about the scarcity of sources. Mm. And yet, so far, we've gone through two seasons where there's really no evidence whatsoever because it's the backstory. There's not a lot of evidence. Yes. So here we are finally actually at the period that our sources are dealing with. The actual rebellion. Huzzah! Indeed. (laughs) So what do they get up to? The slaves, once they've won their freedom. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they seem to spend a lot of time consolidating. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) And that's really the thing about season two. It's kind of what I'd like to call a rebuilding year, to use a sports <laughs> Okay, team, we need to refocus, we need to clarify <laughs> our goals, and then we need to pursue them with a single-mindedness that will allow us victory. Yeah, so basically Spartacus and the gladiators, they're sort of just terrorising the local area. And they're, yeah, I mean, they're finding not, it hard to survive, to be honest. Like, they're, they're a bit short of supplies. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, and I suppose in, as, as a reimagining of what would have happened to a rebellion like this, yes. it doesn't, doesn't seem too far-fetched to, no. to suspect that they're going to run out of supplies rather quickly. Yeah. Not to mention, if they've got burgeoning numbers, how are they going to maintain secrecy of location? Yeah, because, of course, it's not just the gladiators that are broken out. They do have some taggers along of the female persuasion and, mm. and slave variety who aren't particularly handy with the old bono. <laughs> <laughs> what does one do with the unhandy ones? Yes, exactly. So basically, they're really just trying to, at first, um, get weapons, you know, get some armour. So they're attacking, you know, sort of random... Uh, collections of Romans they come across along the road doing a rather good job at it I mean the Romans are really pissed off and quite scared of him and so that that sort of leads into the Roman storyline for this season which is like this rivalry between uh, Glabber who has failed so many times to put an end to Spartacus, um, and the people who are variously sent to sort of help him deal with Spartacus, so people like Sepius, who's an invented character. I think this is an unfortunate uh, sort of characterization for somebody like Glaber. Yeah. There, there are source references to a guy named Glabus. Yes. Or Glabrus. Or all sorts of things. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the character of Glaber is based on some source references, but of course... 
He's just that. He's just a couple of mentions here and there. Yeah, a name. A name. He's one of the guys that's defeated by Spartacus. Yes. But in the television series, (laughs) Glover is the man. Again and again and again. (laughs) Yeah. He becomes a sort of a punching bag. Yeah. Mind you, he does still have over Spartacus. This is why Spartacus hates him so much. The fact that he is really responsible for the... uh, kidnapping and death of Spartacus's beloved wife and for Spartacus's present predicament. I mean, that's well, still yes, true. Well, but that's yeah. not... Yeah. Well, is that substantiated by primary evidence? No, I don't, I don't mean the sources. I just you mean the TV it's series. You said true. No, 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 no. Clarification. Yeah, no, no. I mean, as in, in the TV series, Spartacus has good reason to hate him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But these, these are the sorts of, like, the seamless unities of plot, which are convenient yes. in a TV series, yeah. but they cannot be substantial. Yeah, and which you have to use to sort of build character and build drama, you know. Yeah. Because it's just this ongoing, you know, tug of war between these two guys. But in a way, it kind of places the character of Spartacus in a, a, a type of interpretation which means that it's rational and logical to follow his progression of character. True. And to be able to sympathise with him because you see him go through some sort of personal tragedy which yes. he has trouble dealing with which yes. is connected to a single person on whom he needs to enact vengeance yes. but of course there's nothing quite so clear like that in our source material no of course not I mean uh, as far as our source material goes when we're talking about Spartacus's wife so little on her but she seems what to wife? yeah exactly yeah exactly the nameless woman you know <laughs> the one that Plutarch sort of <laughs> casually throws in there ooh, um, ooh let me look through my source material yeah yeah we talked about her bef- like last episode and basically Plutarch mentions her probably because she supposedly has this connection to um you know the prophecy you know she has this connection to Dionysus and she has this prophecy about Spartacus's uh, future you know being full of you know great and unfortunate things <laughs> <laughs> so who knows if it's a set piece for Plutarch or not but let's say Plutarch is telling the truth and he knows what he's talking about Spartacus's wife was captured alongside him they ended up in the gladiator school together and they escaped together mm. there was none of this none of this hoo-haring about <laughs> looking for a captured wife while he was locked up under oh, Bacchus's roof yeah I've got the I've got the reference here yeah, she was get. a prophetess yeah she was subject to visitations of the Dizianachic frenzy yeah declared it the sign of a great and formidable power which would attend him to a fortunate issue indeed mm. it's a bit wrong about that but I suppose it depends mm. what you mean by that <laughs> Uh, he well, had a good run of it, mind you. You can't really... <laughs> can't sneeze at his achievements. It's always, it's always helps if your wife is a prophetess and she sees the signs favourably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, it's kind of an interesting thing. But basically you've got, uh, obviously, tension between the slave leaders once again because at the end of, the, uh, of season one, although Crixus joined Spartacus because he finally realised how evil and perverted the Romans were and he wasn't going to get anywhere with them. Uh, that doesn't change the fact that unfortunately his beloved Navia has already been done away with by Lucretia. She's been sold God knows where and Crixus is desperate to find her. And of course Spartacus is more concerned about finding Glab- Glabber and you know <laughs> and organizing his vengeance. Organizing yeah. his people yeah. into like a fighting force. Yeah, exactly. And this is constantly a problem because of course they're still small, there's still that divide between the sort of ethnicities and as they acquire, you know, more and more people, um, you know, they sort of start attacking villas and, you know, recruiting house slaves, trying to train them up and that sort of thing. Um, the house slaves bring in all these 
you know, other different backgrounds. So, you know, yeah. Syrians, that sort of thing. Um, so you get even more of a mix and there's even more tension because these guys are not the originals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're not, they don't know how to fight and, you know, the, the old yeah. gladiators, like, just sneer and give them a hard time. <laughs> there are the original gladiators. Exactly, yeah. And then there are the hangers-on. Yes, exactly. Um, so, yeah, it is kind of basically a bit of a tough time for Spartacus. He has to... He sort of has to, it's, it's actually. Well, I actually how is he going to bring them all together? What's yeah. going to be the unifying feature for these guys? Exactly, and this is the thing I find interesting about this episode. I I don't think that there's any connection really between the sort of overall storyline and the 1960 film. Mm. But you may remember that I talked about that dilemma they had in the film with the sort of large and small Spartacus that kept <laughs> creeping out of various points in the uh, film. Yeah. The big Spartacus, the man who stands for all the ideas. Yeah. He embodies ex- all the concepts and yeah, exactly. the small Spartacus. Yeah, and that's the kind of the thing that we rebel. see early in se- <laughs> Yeah, that's the kind of thing we see early in season two. Mm. Because basically, although Spartacus is trying to sort of provide for people who are following him, he's also so intent on seeking out Glabber. And it takes Mira... His new made up, lover, made up lady, yeah, who seems to be that, as I said, you know, substitute sort of Amazon, wife. yeah, that <laughs> substitute wife, that sort of Amazon character, because she can't, you know, she's the one who strikes the first blow in the rebellion, really, you know, according to Spartacus' plans, of course, but she does nonetheless <laughs> when she steals the guard's keys and knocks I him out. I five for feisty ladies, yeah, exactly, and then she becomes all, you know, bow and arrow like she really is very Amazon. Like and she's, all, she's wow, all really a slave yeah. leader in her and right, like the character Verunia was meant to be in the 1960 films. Mm. But she basically has to pull him aside after he stages this crazy attack in the middle of Capua, <laughs> you know, and he's like, you know, the most wanted man ever, and he's by himself. He decides to take on Glabber mm. because Glabber has managed to capture the wife of his old friend Varro, who got killed by the Romans at Spartacus. Can't, just can't stand for that. Can't just stand by and do I, nothing. I've seen one wife die already. I'm exactly. going to let my friend's wife die yeah. as well. Luckily, Chris has <laughs> followed him and sort of bails him out. But Mira points out to him uh, quite angrily that what the slaves need is a leader, and I'm quoting here, not some angry boy who can barely piss without splashing everyone about him. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Poor old Spartacus. Yeah, but he sees the sense of her, of what she's saying, and he basically decides that, you know what, you're right, we should go and seek out Navia, like Crixus wants to do. Unity is important, and that's really where he starts, you know, where he starts focusing for the rest of the season, well, I, trying yeah, to build yeah. unity. And what we, And this is sort of speaking to an absence of information I suppose because what we get is a very pro-Roman approach to all of this in our primary material where it's very much about the rebels are already a fully formed force there's something to be reckoned with obviously it's in the Roman interest to build them up as somebody who need to be taken down and it's not in their interest to sort of expose or perhaps even know about any of the internal mechanisms of what's sure. happening or driving yeah, this. exactly. And so this season's full of a lot of, like, internal uh, drama in the slave army. And so you see, um, Onimaeus, although he didn't stop Spartacus's plans at the Ludus, he's feeling rather guilty about it because, you know, he, his, his honour is now tarnished. <laughs> um, and so he actually isn't with them at first. Mm. He goes off and sort of throws himself into the life that he was leading before... <laughs> He was pulled out of obscurity. He was fighting in this 
I have I have never heard of such a thing existing in the Roman world for real. But these really like these are the down and dirty ultimate fights. Yeah, sort like of I mean, clubs. God knows they probably did, but I don't know if we have They're much evidence underground about them. underground fighting fight rings, to the yeah, death. where it's like pretty hideous and like, even more yeah. so than the gladiator fights apparently. And so he sort of throws himself into this um, because he just obviously doesn't care if he gets killed. I think that's the kind of <laughs> point, you know, taking out his pain on other people. But eventually, he'll work through that. Because mm. you know what? He's a survivor. <laughs> and he's going to find his way, guess where? Uh, um, Vesuvius? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. He's going to hook up with his old buddy or pal, Spartacus. Okay, so let's put it this way. Yeah. Like, in terms of trajectory, season two, they move from Capua. Yeah. Exciting news. We've killed everybody there that we need to kill. Almost. We need to um, move off and find a place. Let's move off. Let's let's move out. Um, let's head towards that mountain in the distance. That yeah. looks like a good place to go. Vesuvius. Luckily, they didn't turn up 100 years later. Yeah. Uh, that's all I can say. But anyway, so they, they have a very small progression in, in the season yeah. uh, from one location to another. Yeah. Geographically. Yeah. And this covers probably about three lines of primary source material yeah. um, in terms of what we know was going on. Yeah, and basically they end up, this, you know, in the sources, they just mention the fact that they moved to Vesuvius. In this season, because they are there for ages, they're actually camping out in this old sort of abandoned temple mm. um, at the base of Vesuvius. And the reason why they go there in the first place is because Mira says, look, I've heard that this place would be you know, <laughs> full of forest for us to hunt, yeah. you know, and graze, and <laughs> be good hiding spots. Let's live the pastoral existence. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and so this is where basically they all camp out, and this is where Spartacus attempts to train up his new followers to get new followers mm. as well, to recruit. Um, he also is trying to forge these disparate groups into an army that's capable of facing the Romans because the Romans, of course, very famous for... Turning up and killing you. Yeah. <laughs> In a very disciplined fashion. <laughs> well, it turns out the Romans do try to turn up and kill them on several occasions. Uh, to no avail. And the, the backwards and forwards, the amount of troops that seem to be sent, obviously the TV show is not much of a guide to this, but certainly small forces were sent. Yes. And small forces were repelled. For sure. And it seems that the Romans had underestimated by quite some extent. Yeah. Uh either the size of the force initially or the skill yeah the skill that the small amount had before it really took off and exploded in terms of growth of numbers exactly uh, so they do send a whole bunch of what end up being completely abortive attempts yeah uh, to bring down this crowd of rebels and we see this uh, Plutarch goes through this as a way of sort of building up to the way that Crassus has an amazing sort of victory over Spartacus yeah um but yeah, he gives us all of these background details to kind of show just how great Crassus is for getting the job done. Yeah. Uh, but also it sort of shows us that there's a whole bunch of people being sent on a what ends up being a suicide yeah. mission <laughs> against these guys. We got names, we get a Clodius is sent out. Clodius doesn't do very well. No, um, Things don't go well for him. He's they a very gory death in the series. <laughs> <laughs> they send out Publius Varinus, according to Plutarch. Um, a praetor, so somebody certainly higher up with military command. He doesn't do so well either. Um, other names that come up, Cosinius, 
He doesn't... Nothing works out for him. No. That's unfortunate. The just, just too good. Gellius, one of the consuls, fell suddenly upon the Germans. Whoops. Spartacus <laughs> cut them all to pieces. That's uh, a nasty surprise. Never right, mind. <laughs> uh, Lentulus... Uh, yeah, he gets defeated. Whoops. Uh, <laughs> Cassius. Yeah, Cassius was defeated. Lost many men. Escaped himself with difficulty. This is really depressing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the Romans, it seems, uh, at least from a Roman perspective, that they're trying uh, and failing and trying and failing. Yeah. And it's becoming increasingly clear that this is a really <laughs> big problem that they need to try. It's got to, it's got to be something more than... And meanwhile, Spartacus presumably, and this is, is kind of the impression we get from the ancient sources, is that mm. presumably he's therefore gathering more recruits because with every victory, you know, joining his cause probably becomes that little bit more attractive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And this... And certainly uh, Glabber and what happens to Glabber in the series reflects like one of these sort of continuing failures yes. of Rome in this period, in this early period after the after and the fact that the, rebellion. the other Romans, you know, are, sort of, are so frustrated by his his inability to put this down, you know, because <laughs> man. Come get on. yourself together. Come on. Call yourself a Roman? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so that's what that's kind of Well, like, he's just as much a Roman as anybody else around here. And the, the plot line for the slaves, which is, you know, the one that you know sort of continues continuing tension and inability to sort of form themselves into an army, I think that's kind of drawing on the impression we get from the sources that there were divisions in the slave army, you know, that that mm. there was some sort of tension. Um, you know, we do hear of the slaves basically, you know, Spartacus telling them to do something and they might either completely disobeying him. Um, <laughs> for example, you know, in one of the fragments of Salus, um, they, Salus, um, sorry, Spartacus basically says, look, don't think we should really, you know, go bananas in this town. <laughs> Probably best to, you know, take the high road. Follow my wise example. Stay low, guys. Stay low. <laughs> exactly. What do they do? They go on a massive <laughs> rampage, you know, looting and raping. Um, so there's that sort of early example. And then later I've got on, my freedom. Don't tell me what to do. Yeah, exactly. I spent my whole life being told <laughs> what to do. You're not going to take over. You're not my mother. I think, um, I think also Livy becomes interesting in this as well. Yeah. We have some... Uh, late sort of fragments from Livy. And Livy is not directly contemporaneous, but a very close source yes. to the action. Um, he's, he's late Republic. And he mentions that there seems to be a number of people who are sharing the command. For sure. It's not just Spartacus. Crixus does get a mention. Um, we also have a mention of Gannicus. So for fans of Gannicus in the TV series, he Woo! seems to have been real. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and Gannicus comes back in this season as well. You know, he's sort of been wandering about aimlessly, running a bit short of cash, so he decides to <laughs> see if he can seek some out of his old... He's a bit old... like the hand solo of, of this series, yeah, he I finds think. His, he finds his way back to Capua, and he starts having sort of underhand dealings with Lucretia, who surprisingly <laughs> survived the massive slaughter and all that kind of thing. But eventually... He finds his way back to Anomaeus, who, of course, has joined up with Spartacus by this stage. Mm. And so Gannicus sort of starts hanging around because he really desperately wants to make things right with <laughs> Anomaeus. Because, yeah, Anomaeus wasn't too thrilled when he found out that Gannicus was not only sleeping with his wife, but that his wife died in Gannicus' cell. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. On, a, on a couple of counts there. Yeah, the um. brotherhood is kind of violated. <laughs> so Gannicus hangs around, not because he believes in the cause... 
but because he wants to make it right. He and wants he, to uncut the grass? Yeah, yeah, he does, <laughs> yeah. Exactly, and he also gets along pretty well with Crixus because they're both ghouls and, you know, they knew each other way back in the day, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, so there's, there is that tension between Onimaeus and Gannicus where mm-hmm. normally there should be none. Um, and well, also, none that we know of. Yeah, yeah none that we know none of. That's, right. None that's really obvious yeah. in our source material. And basically we also have later on in the slave's journey in the source material them disagreeing about what they should do. Whether they sh- you know, should follow Spartacus' advice and escape out of Italy or whether they should just continue travelling around Italy and looting, basically. And Spartacus mm. seems to lose that fight, which is really <laughs> weird because he seems, you know, he seems so all-powerful to the Romans, but yet he can't he can't seemingly actually control his followers. This know. is a bit of a beast that gets away from him. And certainly, um, just to, just to uh, draw attention to something that is in the source material yeah. and is in the TV series. Uh, ah. Ah. <laughs> I just want to give a special mention to the rope vines. Okay? Yeah, that's right. Okay. We've talked about these before. Don't yeah. tell me you don't remember. <laughs> yeah. No, no. But like, I want to place some emphasis on this because this comes up in almost all of the primary source material. Yeah. This is how cool the rope vines really are. And it's quite a cool moment in the series as well. Yeah. yeah it's all a the climactic, slave leaders coming together to scale It's a climactic ropes. moment. Yeah. It's, it's the finale, yeah. essentially, of season two, where they're stuck on this mountain. They're hungry. Um, yeah, things aren't going so well. They wonder how they're going to get out of this situation. The Romans are coming. Yep. Lava's leading the force. Yep. Dun, 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 dun. They're either going to be starved out or they're going to have to fight. Yeah. What are they going to do? They're trapped on this mountain. And every and the Romans are pretty confident, like, they're stuck on a mountain, guys. <laughs> like, there's no way out of this. But we have Plutarch gives a lot of detail um, in the life of Crassus, section 9. He gives a lot of detail to... Um, uh, so, section 8, sorry, part 9. <laughs> gives a lot of attention to these vine ladders that are created. Um, and so in the TV series, they make this into just uh, basically Gannicus, Crixus, um, Spartacus, and Agron, I think. Yeah, but this seems to be, like, as far as the source yeah. material goes, this seems to be, like, across the board. Um, the top of the hill was covered with a wild vine of abundant growth, from which the besieged cut off the serviceable branches and wove these into strong ladders of such strength and length that when they were fastened at the top, they reached along the face of the cliff to the plain below. Oh, he is just too clever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's Plutarch, and he's like, how about them vines? Yeah. And so that's quite delightful. And then you, they crop up again in Frontinus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he likes a little bit of the military strategy. Um, the same Spartacus when besieged on the slopes of Vesuvius, at the point where the mount was steepest, and all that account unguarded, plaited ropes of osseous from the woods. Aww. Letting himself down by these, he not only made his escape, but by appearing another quarter struck such terror into Clodius <laughs> that several cohorts gave way before a force of only 74 gladiators. <laughs> so in Frontinus, they've gotten all the way up into Vesuvius and they haven't actually expanded their numbers at all. Yeah. It's still, it's still the 74 gladiators who's made our Capua and that is all. Yeah, whereas whereas in the series they kind of turn it around a bit Mm. because they're camped at sort of the base of Vesuvius for for so long and this is where they (laughs) they draw on the, the, you know, the source material, you know, the disagreement about what they should do, what their aims should be. And this is also where, you know, Spartacus has been told by Mira once, he doesn't need to be told again. He's all, he's very concerned about them being better than Romans, about, you know, not sinking to their level. Um, So for example, when they manage to capture Glaber's wife, do they kill her? 
No, that would be insane. I mean, yes, that would be revenge, an eye for an eye, but that would be crazy. He's only concerned with killing Glover, not his wife, especially since somehow Alithia's pregnant with Spartacus's child. <sighs> but somehow. <laughs> That's a tangent. But the other thing is, the source material really does drive home. I mean, whether consciously or not, mm. there's plenty of mentions of Spartacus or someone trying to get the slaves into an organized and disciplined army. So yeah. basically, there's these mentions of the slaves busy preparing weapons, you know, making their own yeah, weapons. Yeah, and throwing down their gladiatorial weapons yeah, as being unsatisfactory. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So you get, as far back as Salus, you know, where, which is like our earlier source, basically, you get, um, you get these mentions of the slaves um, preparing effective weapons, the fact that they're using sentries around their camps. Mm. Um, that they're, so employing Roman tactics. Yeah, exactly, that they're making their own armor, you know, probably animal skins or something. Um, the, the fact that they really are desperate to capture as many weapons as they can. Um, the fact that Spartacus eventually has a ban, apparently, on gold and silver entering the slave army camp, presumably because they are worthless and vain metals, not suitable for warrior types. Um, he wants something useful. <laughs> yeah, so this whole idea well. that you know that they that they're using you know all the or everything they can basically in, mm. in order to make sure that they're becoming you know, an organized army. And there's even a reference to perhaps there being a cavalry eventually in this nice, slave army. Nice. I know, right? <laughs> He's so clever. I love mm. <laughs> So that essentially brings us to the end of of season two. Yeah, exactly. All, all of the character complexities aside, and there there is a little bit of evidence. Uh, certainly the movement seems to be relative. Yeah. Seems to be substantiated. Yeah. Uh, and also the the attempts to organise into a fighting For force. For sure. Yeah, the tension. And and, and, the, and the fact that Spartacus manages in this season, and that's really what it's all about, he manages, although it seems a little easy, I have to admit, even after all the episodes devoted to the tension, he manages to overcome this, and he does manage to unite his, his army again and unite mm. his, his slave leaders so they're all... You know, getting along again. Crixus and Agron aren't fighting. Gannicus and Onimaeus aren't fighting. And <laughs> Onimaeus falls in a battle sort of towards the end. Sorry. Spoiler alert! I should have said that first. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure if anybody is listening. For <laughs> yeah, they know, they know. So Onimaeus, Dear listeners, yeah. we apologise yeah. in advance. <laughs> We're talking about season two of Spartacus. If you haven't Spartacus, seen yeah. it, stop listening <laughs> now. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Onimaeus, as the source material seems to indicate dies fairly early yeah. in the in the season, uh, reconciles to Gannicus, and Gannicus is now sort of committed to Spartacus' crazy idea of, you know, <laughs> fighting for lofty ideals. As committed as a Han Solo style of character can be <laughs> yeah. to anything. Yeah, exactly. And you have this really awesome final scene, I have to say, where you have the, you know, the duel, as it always had to be, between the showdown. Exactly. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. And so basically, true to form, I mean, of course, as you would, basically, you know, massive battle between the Romans and the slaves, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then, but then. There will be blood. When the showdown happens, everyone kind of stops fighting. <laughs> and they all just kind of turn and watch because it's like, you know, crucial. It's like a critical moment. <laughs> it's the vengeance scene. Exactly. It is the vengeance scene. They've been waiting for this for like 10 episodes. <laughs> exactly. And so Spartacus gets to throw Glaber's words back in his face by saying, <laughs> the Roman finally learns his place before us on his knees. Rah! And stabs him right in the throat. <laughs> And everyone is so awed that they start to chant, Spartacus, Spartacus, Spartacus! His slaves just adore him. 
for season two ends on quite a high. Yeah, it's basically, I think, that moment where you basically see this idea that even among the people who, you know, live with him day to day, he's all of a sudden gone to another level. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a stepping legend. Up. He's a legend, man. He's a legend, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Spartacus uh, gets to turn to Crixus, you know, his brother through all this, grasp his arm and say, now we become an army. (laughs) (laughs) The world, nothing can stop us now. Exactly. Yeah, so it ends on a really high note for the slaves. Mm. So it's probably a good place to stop. And uh, I suppose we should probably warn you that perhaps, perhaps, Perhaps. the end of season three might not be so cheery. (laughs) Um, Yeah, be warned, guys. This is about as good as it gets. (laughs) See you later. Bye. (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha